Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Buckler. And I am Chris Heine. If you are a regular listener, you will have noticed that this is the first time, well, maybe not the first time, one of very few times that we've missed our regularly scheduled Monday posting for the podcast. But we had good reason. All of us were actually in Bryce Canyon and Zion, Utah, this last week, and had very little reception of any sort, including internet. Yeah, it's amazing how much more out of touch we were in Zion, Utah than we were in Iceland. Yeah, why was that? I feel like... The I- the place that we were at had a router, but we couldn't get access to it. Also, it was connected to dial-up. Oh, yeah, that's so why. So even if we had the password or whatever we needed we probably wouldn't have been able to do much with it. It says a lot about our reliance on some internet in there, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the cool thing about being a little bit out of touch is that we got to spend tons of time with other people, actually face-to-face, this time not on the internet. And so that was really super awesome. Uh, Once in a blue moon, we travel to different places, and we have get-togethers that get all these different people from all over the universe together. And this time because I like to say universe a lot, we actually stared at the universe. Do you remember that? We <laughs> I did. do remember that. We did. We stared right at it. I In saw fact, it all. we Done. stared so hard at it with no white light that we got to see things that I have actually, me personally, I have never seen. And I'm sure a lot of people can share that with me. I think if you've lived in a city, there is probably 0% chance that you've seen some of the stuff that we got to see together on our Bryce Canyon trip because we were looking straight into the cosmos and our eyeballs were so dilated that we got to see more than one star i've only ever seen one star so yeah we saw more than stars we saw planets nebulas we did we saw space stations we We did. did we saw all those things and that was pretty awesome so let's take you uh all the way back actually before we take you back let's tell you what's going on over here so because this is going to be a little bit of a recap um we have a couple things that we're going to mention twice, both in this podcast and the one that's going to follow this. Uh, stuff that's coming right up here. So, yes. so this next Friday, July 3rd, uh, starting at 7 p.m., we have actually a very special series of events happening that night. Tegan White, who's a local illustrator, she does children's books and also freelance projects. Um, she's going to be doing an artist talk at the gallery at 7 p.m., to 8 p.m., followed by a couple questions people can ask from the audience. Um, So it'll be a public artist talk that kicks off the opening reception for Patches and Stitches. So that's a two-part exhibition uh, that features over 70 artists, originals, and limited edition pieces, um, all sorts of screen prints, hand-embroidered designs, lots of tapestries and like really beautiful ornate things so that'll be a really fun opening if you guys want to see some more tactile side of things, um, more physical and um, handmade things that's a really good show to come to yeah so we actually haven't done that many shows here at like gray art lab that have that physical um, aspect of it we've got a lot of 2d stuff often and this time we've challenged people to make something that that actually involves textiles in some way so all the screen prints and all the stitches um, are showing up on the walls this time i think you guys will be really impressed by what people have done so definitely come by we also will have a lot of these available on the spot, um, particularly on, we've got some kits, we have actual patches, so if you're inclined to put one right on your jacket as you fly in here and pick one, um, lots of that stuff will be available 
in-house the day of the opening. So you might be able to take some home with you, which would be pretty cool. So um, with all of that stuff, since we have this two-part event going on, if you do want a seat for Tegan White's lecture, make sure that you show up about 15 minutes early. We expect it to be a full house, um, standing room only after a while. So if you want one of the reserved seats uh, or one of the seats that's left, just come on in. Um, maybe 15 minutes beforehand, make sure you've got one. Otherwise, we'll have some room in the back, too, if you want to sit and kind of watch from afar. So, uh, and again, 8 o'clock, if you missed Tegan's lecture, you'll be able to come in and share some uh, refreshments and stare at all the patches and stitches from 8 to 10 p.m. So, how many times have you been in the desert before? I have zero. I have several. But really? Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, I feel like I might also have zero. I feel like the desert's one of those things that you see in cartoons and you're like, that's a desert. And then you think about it in your head or you see it in a movie and you're like, couldn't possibly be that hot. Couldn't possibly be that dry. And then you get there and you shrivel into a dried up SpongeBob out of water. And then you realize that, yes, there is a real live place where you are a crust all day, every day. At least that was me because I've never been to the desert before. But since you have, did you dry into a crust this last week? Uh, Yep. Oh, you did? Yeah, I mean, just because I've been to a desert doesn't mean I. Oh, well, I thought maybe you deal would... with. Bez- I'm not evolved <laughs> to d- better be suited for the desert drive. So you haven't know. evolved since then? Nope. Oh, didn't evolve when I was in fourth grade. Okay, well, I, that's plenty of time. I think between now and yeah. then, you would have thought maybe that you had some special powers. I feel like I devolved when I <laughs> was at the desert. I turned into the most, uh, most animal-like of myself that I've ever been scrambling for water (laughs) looking for sustenance you know I thought about one time being in the desert while we were walking around there was a point where we got so hot I thought about that survival kit where you're supposed to take like a plastic bag and then chew up a bunch of pine needles and spit it in a bag and then wait for its essence what (laughs) I don't remember that to 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 make some dew droplets on the side of a bag so then you can drink two drops of your own spit. I don't think I, that might not be exactly like how it works, but I feel like I thought about it. I was like, you shove a bunch of mushed up stuff into a plastic bottle and then wait for it to condense. That's what you're supposed to do? I don't know. I feel like I Where read that somewhere. Where are you going to get somewhere. pine needles? There is pine needles in places. In the desert? Yeah, there were. Okay. There were needles of some sort in the desert. I saw them. Cactus needles. Cactus needles. You're like, put Put them in your mouth. (laughs) Chew them up real good. And then when you're bleeding, you can drink your own blood. That's basically what I've learned about the desert. So (laughs) you trick your brain into thinking you're drinking water when you're actually bleeding from your mouth. So... Um, besides the survival techniques, we learned a lot about uh, all the artists that came with us. We had uh, what what good chunk of people? How many? Twenty yeah, some people. So in total, I think we had about twenty nine people between the two groups with us. Whoa. So there are a lot of people. It yeah, was, it was amazing. So people came from all over to participate in the workshop. There are quite a few from the West Coast. There were a couple people from New York, um, all over the U.S. and in tons of different industries too. Yeah, it was really pretty cool. So, I mean, with any of these trips that we do, a lot of like the the reason we do them is to try and actually get together in a physical space and learn from each other, talk about, you know, the differences of what we do when we make art or 
exist, you know, and you get plenty of time to reflect, which is really pretty awesome. So this particular trip was um, inspired by the Cosmos show that's coming up here. Um, All the details for that, by the way, uh, will be posted online if you haven't heard of it before. It's our recreation of the night sky. So we have all 88 modern constellations and a bunch of astral bodies that we've done um, kind of a two-part show. We have a really amazing fiber optic illuminated experience that you're going to be able to see this fall. And then also for those of you guys that can't make it to the gallery, we are creating an Oracle deck. So just in the days of old, when you used to be able to look at the stars and foretell the future, we're going to let you guys be able to do that with this deck. So again, all of the artists have participated by creating one of the constellations or astral bodies. And then of course, as you put them together, you can kind of see how your future unfolds. So Because of that, we ended up going to Bryce Canyon and seeing the 15th annual Astronomy Festival, which was amazing um, because in that particular location, you can see 2.2 million light years into the sky with hardly any light pollution whatsoever. And so when you're done bleeding from your mouth (laughs) and you're nice and cool in the nice desert air uh, at night, you can see just about everything that you've ever wanted to see about the universe. It's really pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So I actually got to see you guys, besides some of the nebulas and things that we looked at through some telescopes, I can finally find the North Star. <laughs> now you should be impressed. I'm impressed. I forgot already. It's in the Little Dipper? No. Oh. It, it might be. Yeah, I think it is. Is it in the Little Dipper? You're supposed to look at the bowl of the Big Dipper and then shoot up to the right, and it's the brightest star. Isn't that... No. And then Arcturus is the one where you do an arc from the handle to another bright star. Okay. Science. (laughs) (laughs) But So those are the two things I can find in the sky besides the Big Dipper. Uh, And if I look really hard, maybe I can find a planet or two. Mm -hmm. But... um, so when we were over here, there are a couple of things that I I guess I wanted to talk to you guys about, about this trip that I thought was particularly interesting. So for people that couldn't go um, or that didn't go, let me describe to you the scene here. So we shared a large cabin up in Bryan Head, Utah, which had two large chainsaw bears. Yes. attached to it yes and if you don't know what a chainsaw chainsaw bear is you have not been to the midwest because i feel like that is it's what's at the state fair it's like somebody carved a bear out of a chainsaw with a chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> out of a stump and so they are usually really blocky and occasionally painted but mostly not and it's just a bear standing up and there were two 15 foot chainsaw bears attached Mm -hmm. to the front of our cabin which was fantastic and so all of us shared this communal space we got to wake up have breakfast together eat food together stuff like that and then each day we would travel to a new place and explore so one thing that I thought was really interesting was I remember seeing and we talked about this a couple times all of these really flat mesas and all of these mountains that just were chopped off at the top and I was thinking about old like looney tunes cartoons you know mm-hmm. i finally saw a real live tumbleweed mm-hmm. and then i also did not see any road runners but i did think about them an awful lot while we were there 
But most of that stuff, besides just being uh, like reminiscing about my childhood, I was thinking about how crazy it actually is that in the United States we have some things like what we find in Bryce Canyon and, U- and Zion. You mean like deserts, formations, things like that? Yeah, like formations, like crazy peaks and like things that look like muscles and sinew from the inside of a human body. Some of the rocks and some of the formations almost had this stripy painterly look to them you know kind of like Mm -hmm. a kind of like you had dipped your paintbrush in a bunch of different colors and then just drug it over a hill but it was intense because i don't think i've ever seen something so i don't think barren is the right word but it's just raw you know it's just raw like there's no there's nothing coating them there's maybe a couple little scrubby plants here and there but it is 100 percent just rock just slamming into the earth you can see every single like era inside all of like the different layers you know and striations of like the earth mm-hmm. and you can't help but think about what else is in there dinosaurs or whatever you know what i mean but it's just all exposed like everything is exposed yeah it's interesting i was talking to a lot of the artists as we were walking through some of the canyons and things and every single person looked out into the distance and would say this looks fake it looks like a cartoon of what we're supposed to be seeing because we see the same sort of images and movies and films and things and it is always a we always assume that it's the most extreme version we're like they painted it red so we know where we're at or they put a bush on it or they put a cactus on it but that's exactly what it does look like you guys even commented that it sort of looks like a D terrain where it's just <laughs> a bush stuck on a on a piece of dirt like there's nothing really holding it down um there's no real root system it's just sort of scattered it's like somebody took a bunch of bushes and just threw them at random and they just stood there forever yeah it's really pretty crazy i think like every time i'm in a place like that it really does make me impressed by how different the united states can be well it's pretty giant i know it's pretty giant but you don't think about it when you're sitting in the middle of the midwest and you're like trees and lakes you know and then you realize not everybody has trees and lakes it is very and it's also very different looking than you know what you consider comparing to iceland because it is kind of raw but it's raw in a completely different Mm -hmm. way where iceland is created through volcanic eruptions and continental plates whereas um this this landscape is mostly erosion but also a lot of plates smashing into each other and kind of making Mm -hmm. these. There was a section that we drove through several times that looks, it looks like two um, things that were running straight at each other crashed. And now they're both going down at a 45 degree angle into a Yeah, just disappearing into the earth. So you can see all the sediment that used to be parallel with the earth. And now it's like just at a 45 degree angle and it's kind of going running perpendicular into each other and when you're driving through this canyon it makes you feel vertigo because the what looks like should be the horizon lines of the of the sediment in the rock is just like all akimbo and you're just like i kind of got dizzy a couple times and i kind of had to just like keep my eyes on the road and not look at these rocks on the side of the road because they made me feel like i was like falling over it is really strange i think there are a couple times during this trip where i felt like my brain was playing some weird tricks on me another one in particular that i thought was really interesting is we drove from las vegas um up through arizona and then we got to utah to a town called saint george 
And what's really interesting about that is that the rocks change drastically from almost bleach white to like an orange to a red. And there's an area called Red Cliffs Recreation Area that's over there that I would totally recommend. I would recommend you go there in the winter. No. <laughs> it's real hot. Um, but it's so red that all of the bushes, even the ones that are dead and dried up, look electric green. Like, because of how varying those colors are, they kind of, you know, they kind of resonate and make your brain a little strange. We were sitting there and I was like, this is incredible. It's colors that you don't even see in real life. I mean, you mm-hmm. do because it's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But but because that you're surrounded by red, everything you look at has like a green sort of tinge to it. The gray has a green tinge. The, you know, er- like everything does. And so... It was a, a pretty interesting feeling as you're sitting there because you almost get a little fatigued when you're staring at something like that because it's not something that you see all the time, you know? I think we're lucky. I walked outside today and it, it is a little bit overcast. It was raining yesterday or whatever. Um, so it was warm, but it wasn't like blaringly bright this morning. And I was thinking like, oh, how nice, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of a haze in here and I, and everything feels really even. There's no like super sharp sun, you know, like I don't see that very often. So being in the middle of a, a super hot desert with direct sunlight and being surrounded by red and green was weird, super weird. So I tried to take a couple photos of it and I don't even think I could do it justice. It messes with lenses, um, just the way that light works and the the intensity of the light and things like that. It was really hard to get much. You had to be pretty careful about what you're kind of aiming at because otherwise you'd get just like wildly crazy colors or wildly contrasty images. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with one of these trips, um, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about sort of what we did um just touched on it and instead of repeating every single thing that we did to you guys I think the big thing I wanted to talk about today was again revisiting why we do these travel trips why bring people together in a really strange place like what was one of the biggest things that you found out about yourself traveling on a trip like this um I don't know I think being in that environment it's funny because you were talking earlier about kicking into survival mode for one second and I think it's really easy to especially in an environment like that sort of shed the things that you day-to-day would worry about like finding a nice pair of pants to wear or something like that it's not something that even crosses your mind because you don't need to worry about it anymore Um, I do think like being in an environment with a bunch of people and hanging out all week I am always and constantly impressed how much can get done in 24 hours. Like here, of course, we go to work and things happen and then every day sort of feels similar. Um, But in that environment, we've talked about this too with travel stuff before, like how open you are to everything. Um, But if I thought about the first 24 hours of our trip, how much is possible in that short amount of time? And I'm always amazed when you set aside like a chunk of time how much you can do and so that's one of the things that I'm most impressed with is like the can-do attitude of being in that environment and how exciting and exhilarating it is and you're like I don't typically hike but I'm gonna do this massive hike um so it feels good to and it feels really liberating to be out like that it does I always have a tendency to go and try and do the hikes that nobody else is doing and to be out where I don't see any people, (laughs) you know, and just to be. And I think 
when we were with the first group, um, Jenny and I and a couple other people went on a really long hike. We went on one that was about, I don't know, 13 miles long. Mm-hmm. And it was... <laughs> In the desert. It was it was very interesting. Let me, let me describe this to you. So we got there maybe at 10 o'clock in the morning and we looked at our maps and we said, this looks like a good hike. We shall all break up into little groups and then meet back at a certain time. And so when we were looking, we were like, why don't we just do this large one? Because think about how great it would be if you didn't have to stand in line or if you could just like absorb it all yourself. It was almost like you explored it and nobody else, you know? And so, of course, the funny thing is doing that in uh, 70 degree weather is nice. Doing that in 80 degree weather is probably pretty nice. Doing that in 105 degree weather (laughs) is probably a little bit harder, but we were like, we're going to do that. So we set up on this journey and it was incredible. I mean, I feel like you get a sense of accomplishment, like not just seeing what's possible, but actually going through something that is a lot harder than you thought, setting yourself like a really insane goal and actually Mm -hmm. finishing it. We were on the last, I don't know, we went like eight to 10 miles into it and we had been going up these really steep hills, down these steep hills, around bends. It was hot. You would sweat and then like salt crystals would form on your face because it was really dry out there. And we were thinking to ourselves like, this is really liberating, you know? And then you get to the last like two parts and there's something really interesting that kicks in. And Jenny was talking about it, I think when we were, when we were in the last like two miles of our hike, we saw a sign and we saw the amount that was left and we looked at our watch and we said, oh man, we really got to be back to the van now. And Jenny said, you know, there's this thing where, and I think it was you, unless it was one of our our other um, camp people that said, there's this thing where a person, like a human's body starts to shut down when they see the finish line in a marathon. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you see it and all of a sudden you got to, you got to train your brain not to just be like, I'm done. And then just yep. fall on the ground and fall asleep. Yeah. Well, we saw a sign. We thought we were really close. There's no real way to tell. And there's no real halfway point or any other signs. This is the first sign we had seen in probably 10 miles. Yeah. And so we were like, oh yeah, we must be right at the finish. And we had two miles left. It was like 1.9 miles. And we looked up, and it was all uphill. It was a vertical face. It was a vertical <laughs> face, and it was, it was just an, uh, an up arrow. And we were like, oh, no. <laughs> so we looked at it, and then instantly, like, when you're finishing a marathon or finishing a giant race, and you see the finish, and your brain starts to tell your body that it can relax now because it's almost at the end. And not that we were relaxed in front of this giant cliff, but it does, the same thing happens where I was sort of discouraged with how much we had left to go. Even though, even more tired, like we had been like bouncing around and telling stories. And then we saw this sign and we all got silent and looked up at the hill and realized how much more we had to go. And so I think we had a really tough time. It was the peak of the day. It was the hottest point of the day. And we needed to walk up this massive hill. So we put gum in our mouth to trick our mind into thinking we had more water. (laughs) And then we split an orange to give us one last piece of energy as we hiked up this massive, massive hill. But it's it's a funny thing, too. Like, the, the quicker you do it, the faster you're out of the sun. So... But the... Let me let me pause you for a second and say, so we are all from around sea level here in good old wherever we are, right? Yeah. Okay. So 
imagine this. Your body goes through uh, an acclimatization cycle or like strengthening as you spend more time in high altitude. And although this was not the highest of altitudes, this is not the death zone in Mount Everest. This is not like a bazillion feet. It's pretty darn high though. Yeah. We were at about 7,700 feet above sea level, which is a pretty incredible amount above sea level when you've only just been at like, I don't even know what. Do you know where we are, Chris? We are at 800 800 feet above sea level. All right. So that's not that much. So your body works a lot harder as you go higher and higher. And so what happens is when you acclimatize, you end up getting more red blood cells to carry more oxygen to the parts of your body to breathe better, to think better, Mm -hmm. you know. And so as you spend more time up there, you strengthen. So people born or that live at high altitude have a lot more red blood cells and it's just a little bit easier for them to function. So when you're not from there, everything is a lot harder. So looking at a vertical face, (laughs) even taking like two steps forward, you're like, why am I out of breath? Like, why is it so hard? You're walking like a normal human being and you're thinking to yourself, this is really tough. You know, like I walk up the stairs here from the basement to the the gallery and I feel like I'm going to die most days. But... (laughs) Thinking about being in, you know, like high altitude, we've been walking for at least four hours, you know, we are very warm (laughs) to say the least. And you're thinking about it and you're like, all right, there are a lot of things working against me here. You know, the funny part is as we were walking towards the finish line here and we had kind of like, we've got a time limit. We're trying to make it back to the van. We're running out of water. We're thinking about all these things for the first time in our entire journey. We're thinking about how crappy it would be if we didn't make it. (laughs) And this is one of those things where you're like, we haven't thought about this before. Like, why would you think of it? We're on a fun hike. Like, this is a really fun thing. But there is a point where you're so tired that all of a sudden all those weird things start creeping in. And I can relate this to any project I've ever done where I've had to pull an all-nighter or any kind of like big, long, like work marathon or you know or, or even if you're like not for me because I like I like to public speak but say you're public speaking and you're like I just got to be up here for a little bit longer this is almost done there's like this point where all you want to do is go downhill you know mm-hmm. but you can't mm-hmm. <laughs> so you gotta keep going uphill <laughs> until you're done and you start thinking about all these things self-doubt and like can it happen am I gonna survive am I gonna do this and it's funny because of course we're gonna survive But again, like we were talking about, seeing the finish line makes it that much harder because you're waiting then. You're waiting for it to be over and you're waiting to be done. So what we did to kind of get ourselves through it, of course, was we'd look uphill and we'd find a shadow. And and I can't even tell you how much cooler it was in the shadows. I mean, it's unreal, like 20 degrees cooler. You would get in a shadow and all of a sudden you'd be like, wow, like how is this even possible? So we'd look at one, we'd point at we'd say, okay, 20 feet up there, we're going to stop, take a breather. You know, your heart's beating, you're sweating, you're like looking at your water bottle, and we go and we'd stand there. And then we go, okay, just around this bend, okay, up to the next shadow, and we go, walk, 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 walk. And we're like, oh. <laughs> And it was just one little step after another for about two miles. And it's one of those things where you really test your like physical limit Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you have been walking forever and it's a feeling that I don't think I've ever had before like I've done some some big hikes in Iceland and things like that but man you you start thinking differently you are in survival mode or a piece of it you know but I gotta tell you when we got up to the top I felt so like totally strong you know not strong as in like I felt like I could do anything because I was tired but I felt like like I had done something incredible Mm -hmm. that I had just like overcome this really difficult something and I was like holy crap I feel really good Mm -hmm. and also really bad (laughs) yeah I need some water but I felt so so good about the fact that we had done it like we had gone through a like 13 mile hike in the desert with the last bit being uphill you get to the top and you're you pat yourself on the back after you slug a whole bunch of water but you know going through that with a couple other people you really understand who people are in a situation like that when you're really tired and really you know you're doing it together well, after going through that, and I joked, so it was the four of us ladies who were hiking this, and I joked at the end that I felt like we were now like some like blood sisters of some sort because we've shared an orange, we've shared some <laughs> gum, we've like made it together, you know? I don't think if any of us were out there by ourselves, how much longer it would have taken us to do it, you know? And so when we got to the top, of course, we're all sweating and tired and we couldn't believe there's another two mile walk to the bathroom once we got to the top (laughs) so we couldn't believe how strenuous that had been and we just passed a bunch of people on the trail that looked like they just got out of their car and they were excited for a hike and we were like bedraggled and like (laughs) we're dragging ourselves to the bathroom but it's amazing because looking back at this entire week of things that is the most vivid memory that I have of this trip is that like making it up the hill yep yeah well it's incredible I mean I I forget how sometimes and I think I told you that this maybe two three podcasts ago that I was reading this this book um and it was called Iger Dreams by John Krakauer and I in the beginning he says there's a quote by some guy that I should figure out (laughs) what it is but they basically say it's not an adventure unless something has gone wrong Mm mm-hmm because when you look back on it, that's the only thing that made it an adventure was that it was hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought about as we were going up there. And I was like, yes, this that was hard. You know, that was hard. Mm-hmm. But it's true. You think about that so much more. I think the other thing that is pretty neat is, you know, being in a physical space, like when you're actually doing something, you're using different muscles, um, you're kind of like, you're crawling over things, you're getting into crevices. I mean, it's stuff that you don't do. You know, I feel confident when I walk into work that I'm going to do something that I know most days. You know what I mean? It's just something that you just take for granted that you walk in and you're familiar with your surroundings. You know where your tools are. You know how to use your computer, you know, and like maybe once in a while you have to like challenge yourself to fix some program that's going wrong or something, you know. But when we were on another part of our trip, all of us, including Chris, um, on the second second session, went into the Narrows, which is the last stop on a shuttle ride down in Zion, Utah, which is a really beautiful part of the state. Um, It's a little bit, it's definitely a lot more lush than Mm -hmm. Bryce Canyon, 
Um, it's still got those really great orange stripy rocks. Um, but at the end of this shuttle ride, you take a about a, I don't know, a mile walk down to a river. And then you just step in a river and walk upstream. It's called the Narrows. It's called the Narrows because you're in a canyon and there's the canyon walls that go straight up. But you're at the bottom this time instead of the top of the canyon, like in Bryce Canyon. And so as you're walking upstream, you, some people, we all had walking sticks. You've got your shoes on. You've got shorts on, maybe. And you're in this cool water that's running towards you. you got to watch your footing and you kind of scramble around in there until you get as far upstream as you possibly can. So what I liked about that trip, which I think I can, I can relate it back to our Bryce Canyon episode, is that, again, you've got a different set of things that you're trying to do. Like you're kind of enjoying the sensations of being like super hot on top and kind of chilly on the bottom, you know, but you're trying to balance your way all the way through. But it was much more of like a sensational like experience not sensational, but like, you know what I mean? You, right. you felt all your the parts senses. of your body. Sensory experience. Yeah. Like every, like all of it. You could, you could feel yourself thinking about what you're doing. It was very like planned and methodical. You had to move slowly. You had to use your arms as legs. It was like, you know, you're basically like crawling through the river. And um, I think you find a way to connect with your body a lot more in those kinds of ways because I don't really think about that when I'm just going to work during the day. I don't think about how I'm feeling besides what my brain's doing and how much coffee I need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not crawling around on the floor in here. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe right. when I go up the stairs again and I want to die after I go up 10 stairs. But at the same time, you're, you're feeling every single thing and it is such a different kind of a, like a, like a thing. Mm-hmm. When you were going through there, Chris, what was the first thing that you thought of when you stepped into the Narrows and you're walking upstream? I was worried that being wet for five hours was going to... I read a lot of books about Vietnam. I can't remember what it's called. Um, trench foot, I think it's called. But it's basically when people were walking around wet boots, their skin would eventually just kind of schluff off. Ugh. And of course, they're walking around for weeks and months, not five hours. But I was like, I hope my skin doesn't schluff off we were laughing about how chris would just have like a chicken bone sticking out of the bottom of his leg hole <laughs> and no foot on the end of it and they were like oh wait you got two bones down there don't you one bone i don't know two bones okay were you worried about your leg bones i was not i was worried about dropping all my stuff into the river which is always nervous nervous thing um there's a couple people that we passed who had just completely toppled in the river with their giant slr cameras which is terrifying so that's what i was mostly worried about um do you think that ever really wrecks somebody's experience carrying all your stuff in there i know you want to document it but you know what i mean like i didn't yeah. go swimming because i had a bunch of drawing stuff on my back and Maybe, some people yeah. did like, yeah i know i know some people actually took their stuff off and swam which would be nice i mean you'd probably be easier getting through there without all that stuff on your back um but I do think it was fun. It was something that I haven't really done before. I think I was telling you along the first trip that I have once tried climbing a waterfall, which felt very similar to that. You're sort of walking the opposite direction as water, and so you're fighting the current, and you're fighting the rocks, and things are slippery, but it was really pleasant. It was relaxing more than anything, even though you're working really hard. Yeah. I think I just was reminded that I'm a human being. 
in both cases, both in Bryce Canyon and <laughs> you're like, I'm a human. I don't, you know, like as dumb as it feels, like I never think about it. I never think about the fact that I'm a human being. <laughs> like, like I have things that I'm doing and I've got goals and I've got stuff that I've got to be at and I have to show up. You know what I mean? All these different things, but I always forget that I'm a human being <laughs> until I have to actually be in a position where I'm thinking mm-hmm. about even, I mean, okay, so. So at no point were we ever going to die. So you're not really thinking about survival in that way. But you do think about these things that just are naturally part of like your like physiology that you completely forget that you have to use sometimes. You forget about how much water you should drink. You forget about the fact that if you're hooked on caffeine that you're going to wake up and have a headache. You know, like there's all these different things you forget about because you never have to get out of your element. And I just liked being reconnected with my actual physical self for you know Mm -hmm. for this like moment of time you know testing the limits like thinking about what I could do like feeling weird things hurt after you know after going through like a walk and so it was a nice reminder that I'm a human being so anyway I did Mm want to thank everybody that went on the trip with us it was awesome having you guys there Um, it was really cool to have all the conversations and also to like see other people experience themselves in the way that we were all kind of like experiencing you know like the land and our feelings and everything else at the same time so many great drawings so many great photos were taken and we'll make sure to share that stuff with you guys too so we'll make sure to put all those photos and everything out there for you guys. Um, I think we might even have a couple of video captures of a really amazing play that happened during Star Stories, which was one of the yeah. different lectures at the 15th Annual Astronomy Festival. Really funny stuff. And so that'll be really cool. And we'll try and make sure to show you guys some of the drawings that people have done too on the trip. So again, keep um, posted. We do have some other travel trips that are coming up really soon. The Iceland Residency 2016 team um, will be chosen this fall. So if you're interested in coming on a really awesome adventure to Iceland with us, we'll have the applications opening July 20th and all the dates and information about how to do that will be on the front page of the website. So where can people go, Chris, to find all that stuff? You can check out our website, likegrayartlab.com. You can find us on the blog where we have posts about everything, blog.likegrayartlab.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, likegrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store and stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Awesome. And again, thanks you guys for listening to our mini recap and thoughts about our Bryce Canyon adventure. And if you, um, again, want to see anything, just go ahead and follow any of those links and you'll be able to see everything else. So thanks again, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye.